Hi, everyone. Welcome to the P3 podcast, C3 on Point with Miguel Ramos. My name is Alicia Leshesky, and with me today is not Miguel Ramos. It is Giovanni Fernandez. How are you, Gio? Hey, how are you? How's everyone doing? We are good over here, and Miguel is not here, so you and I, we don't know where in the world he is. We've been doing a series about you, where in the world is Geo, and, and you, the eagle has landed at <laughs> home in Florida. <laughs> yes, yes, until next week that I'm off again, but we'll, we'll talk about that in another session. Oh boy, we'll have to do a series, well, figure out where, by, figure out where you are next week. Um, so yeah, welcome. I'm excited that we're going to be able to co-host uh, the podcast since Miguel is somewhere in the world today. Um, and this is exciting because um, we're talking about culture. And I know culture is something that is incredibly important to you. It's something that um, as kind of a head of marketing, I've been able to be involved with um, throughout many different companies. And it's something that I feel passionate about. And I know both P3 and Brand Ethos really have stood up on culture for, for each of our companies as well. Um, so, you know, I guess let's just start with the, the basics. I mean, in, in your opinion, why is, why is culture so important to you? And why is culture, do you think, super critical in the contact center space? Kind of two questions to start us off. Yeah, so before I go into that, I just want to um, piggyback on, on your earlier statement. I think it, culture is something that is very, very passionate, <clears throat> um, you know, with me. And I think you've been an integral part of that in, in a number of different engagements over the last uh, several years uh, of my career uh, in, in that aspect. I also think it's one of those things that is very, very easy for people to put on the back burner um, and forget about. And unfortunately, we've seen the result of that over the last couple of years, specifically in the great resignation, in the, in the transformation that companies are going through as a result of, you know, probably um not complete completely ignoring culture but kind of putting it on the back burner um or not prioritizing it as as importantly as it should be um so i'm glad we're doing this today um you know call centers and this is now to answer your question specifically are such a unique environment um people who are not in this in this industry may not realize the amount of pressure that we put on call center employees, frontline employees, um, they have a number of different things that they have to adhere to on a daily basis, metrics, schedule compliance, um, and never mind maintaining a positive customer service level of professionalism for eight hours a day. Um, in a lot of cases when they're dealing with complaints, they're trying to solve problems for their customers, they're dealing with difficult real-life situations in some of the cases and some of the customers that they're speaking to. So all of that to say, culture is, or good culture specifically, is critical in a call center environment when you've got the, you know, that level of, of pressure 
um, that the front line is is dealing with. Yeah, it, it is. And, and, you know, you're right. When people are calling in to any contact center, you know, nine times out of 10, they're not at their best. <laughs> they're just not. And, they're um, not. and, you know, and it's, it's hard as humans to deal with, you know, our family members, for example, that are not at their best for maybe, you know, an hour of the day or of the week, depending on, on, you know, who is your, your partner or your child or your parent, but it really is hard all day, every day. And, and it's become and harder, it's Alicia. Constant. It's constant. So it, it, I think culture, but, you know, it's also too, is just serving each other. I mean, I think that was part of the different culture projects that we've worked on. It, it, you know, it's about, if you've got a good culture that, that kind of nurtures, call it your mental health, right? And so that you can be at your best when you're taking these calls with people who are not at their best. And then you end up having to maybe find yourself in a position to support your teammates. And so that's kind of, and I know with one of my clients, that's a BPO who, you know, um, you know, I call it kind of inside out culture, right? And so what you're doing great on the inside goes as one of your strengths for how you perform for the outside. Absolutely. That's the, that is what is going to ultimately drive how that person is going to interact with that, you know, person who's stranded at an airport or that sick individual who needs, you know, uh, a claim to be approved. If they're not good with what's happening internally and their, and their state of, you know, mental health, it's going to come across that way in how they're dealing with their customers and, and their day-to-day, you know, uh, uh, duties. You you mentioned something that it's constant. And I think what's interesting is, you know, technology is a wonderful thing, right? But in over over the last several years, technology has been able to remove a lot of the simple, more robotic tasks from the call center. And so to the point you just made, these calls that are coming in now to the call center are are what the machines cannot deal with. This is the the piece that requires a human interaction that requires much more in-debt, you know, investigation and and due diligence when when you're on the call. And so these calls have really become more more difficult and, and the hours of the day have become much more difficult as a result of that. that. Yeah, I didn't even think about that, actually. That's a great point. And, you know, yeah, if, if, the, if the machine can't handle it, then you got to have one heck of a human that's there to handle it, to handle exactly. it too. So, you know, and it's funny because I was um, a different client that of mine that is, um, you know, they're, they, it's a law firm, but they have intake specialists, right? So these are people that when someone has had, you know, some sort of a, a, an injury or disaster, then they have people that come in to see if it's a fit for their law firm to take the customer or the client. And, you know, those are people that have just been through something, you know, could be catastrophic, obviously, or certainly if it's not catastrophic, it is definitely impactful. And similar, you know, we were just talking about this with them. They, 911 operators, you know, we've all read the stories about what needs to be done to help their mental health, because that is just stress from the minute you walk Mm -hmm. in to the minute you walk out. 
we minimize that for these contact centers. And so we were having that conversation with this law firm. Um, you know, what are some things that you recommend or you've seen done to help people kind of cope with the stress, you know, during their break time or before or after shift? Um, obviously, maybe not as intense as what the 911 operators get, but stuff that maybe people could do in their contact centers. Well, I think, you know, good culture has to start from the very top, right? It's got to it's gotta trickle down to the frontline leaders and which will eventually, you know, trickle down to, to the folks who need the most support, which are your, your, your customer service agent. Um, when it's adopted by everyone who's responsible for leading the people, then, then, it, then it's the good thing. Um, the critical part of, I think, good culture is that that message that is being promoted or that is coming from the top, it needs to be lived throughout day in, day out by everyone. Um, it's, it may sound, you know, like a cliche, but it's, you've got to uh, lead by example, right? Um, and so that demonstrates to everyone that what the company is doing is, is truly real they believe it, they support it. Um, and when you have that level of commitment from the very top, it's much easier to infuse that culture throughout the different levels um, of the company. Now, you know, we talk about the, the good culture, um, but I think we can see the complete opposite of that, right? So, um, you have senior leadership who promotes a particular message around what we want the company culture to be, but then they demonstrate something completely different. Um, it, it's, you know, the old saying, talking out of both sides of your mouth, right? That's the perception that's going to be created. And that can easily turn into a very negative experience, um, which sometimes is more difficult to come back from than when you hit a company who, uh, you know, you're new into this company and you're trying to infuse this new culture. Coming out of a, of a bad perception or coming out of a, um, a, a culture that the, the company people feel that they've been lied to, I think is, is more dangerous. Oh yeah. Well, or that, you know, it's all, it's all great culture until, um, and you know, we, obviously you and I have a, a long background in, in BPOs. It's all a great culture until the client's not happy with something. And then it's, you know, let's go search for the head to chop and who, who messed up and, uh, and then, you know, then, well, where's our good culture? I mean, so I remember one of the values that we had at the beginning of, of C3, um, if I remember correctly, was speaking respectfully and to the right person, no matter the circumstance. That was, that was the value that, that was supposed to be, you know, kind of everybody strive for. So yes, there's going to be conflict, how you handle conflict or turmoil or difficult situations, which are going to come up with any contact center, whether you're a BPO or insourced, how you handle that from the top down can set the tone for an authentic culture or, you know, I call it a, a social media culture, right? Everybody mm -hmm. loves to say that they love people and they're people first, but, you know, if, if that's not the case, authentically, then that backfires. Um, yep. And, you know, you and I um, go back a long, long time, right? We've known each other since, what, mid-90s? Late-90s? I was in college. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
and the, the one of the the most successful cultural campaigns that I've that I've been a part of was I think your creation at our former you know company, which was the the whole love concept, right? Um, and this this not only was it lived by everyone, it was infused throughout the organization, but it we put it into action with everyone who came or or was part of our organization, our clients, and you know we had pretty large clients, right? They they lived the culture when they arrived at a C3 facility. They were involved in the events um, and they participated in the different aspects of our of our cultural. So, you know, we caught you having a mad moment. Remember that? Yeah. So this so it was really culture in action uh not just at the company employee level but we engaged our clients in this stuff and that that was so um it, it just it spread like wildfire right uh because not only did they love it but apparently they also they believed it they lived it they came from organizations that were also very much in to healthy, you know, cultures. And so it it really was uh, a wonderful thing to, to see that all come, come to play like that. Um, sometimes all people are looking for is just recognition, acknowledgement that they're doing something, that they're doing a job well done. Um, it, it goes a long way, um, even sometimes more so than monetary compensation. Um, you know, I remember at one of our facilities, we we had a client walking the floor and he overheard a conversation that was that this that this agent was having with a, a customer. And it was a very touching experience because the customer uh, on the phone started crying because it was his birthday and the customer service mm -hmm. agent acknowledged that. And so something as simple of, of that, but that turned out to be a huge, um, you know, recognition and acknowledgement uh, of that customer service agent, which festered throughout that site. You know, it was it was incredible. Um, and so again, that's part of that of that culture. Nothing. It's not rocket science. It's very yeah. simple, but you've got to live it. You've got to put it into action. You've got to involve your staff. You've got to involve your clients. And then you really do see it, uh, you know, spread through the organization. Um, and, and it comes to life. It really does. Oh yeah. But I think that the, I remember that guy, the agent that said happy birthday to the gentleman, but it was that it was an, an elderly gentleman that lived alone and Correct. hadn't been told happy birthday in years probably hadn't Correct. spoken to people in a few days like sometimes our agents were the only people um that they heard from over the court or, yep. or that day right outside of the noise of their television so super super interesting and and yeah that was the, the mad moment was the make a difference moment right so Correct. that was that was fun um yeah that I mean the love campaign look I love that no pun intended and that was <laughs> um probably one of the best things I've worked on you know another and I don't know if you remember it um when we were at PRC 
and our South Florida locations, there was a radio station that ranked, it was like the worst places to work. And I can't, I think there was another derogatory term that I just would rather not say, but that they, and, and PRC would make that list every year. And then um, I got that bubbled up. Do you remember this? That bubbled up to, to Janor and I, and they were like, why are they saying that? Like, I'm almost embarrassed to tell my family and friends where I work. So I called the general manager and he, I don't know why, but got, I got a meeting with him and we ended up making lemonades at a lemon with that. And it turned into a culture building experience because number one, I, our team members knew, you know, wait a minute, management, which I was, I was a VP or, or something like that. Um, they're not going to let our company or where we work be spoken about in that way. And then two, we went and fought for them. And then we started that concert series and we had the celebrities, like the local celeb or like the, um, I have a picture with like DJ Khaled. Like that was like before he mm -hmm. was like super, super, he was famous, but he wasn't super famous. And he visited our site and our top performers got to meet with him as, and that was just kind of the penance, if you will, that that radio station was doing. That was something, I mean, I could have just said, well, you know what guys, I can't control what the radio station said about us, but we as a management team decided, you know what, go at it. And my CEO, my boss at the time had my back and said, allowed me and Janor the time to focus on that. And that I think is kind of what you're saying is this walking the walk and talking the talk and really, you know, um, you know, really getting behind something that you feel strongly about if culture, you know, is such a thing. So it do you does, that? It, it really does. It, it, I do. And that, that you're absolutely right. That goes back to how I started, you know, this, this entire uh, conversation today. Um, <clears throat> it, it is something to easily put on the back burner uh, and forget about. Um, but when you realize that something has to be done and then you've got that support from top level and senior leadership, I think that is, in, you know, more so uh, important because um, that's when that true adaptation takes place throughout the organization. Yeah. And you brought up such a good point about it infusing with clients. I mean, it really can go outside of your organization, your vendors, your partners, whoever. I mean, it really sets the standard for how people behave. Um, oh, I mean, you remember our clients used to walk into our facilities and, you know, they knew about the whole mad, uh, for C3 concept, they knew where the little um, write-up sheets were. They would go and pick them up. They would write them up. They would they would go to the site director and say, you know, I, I want to do a MAD uh, for C3 moment with this employee. And um, so they, it was like, we're home, right? And and they were such a part of it. Mm -hmm. um, and And... Another thing that's interesting that you, where you just said that it goes outside of the organization. Do you remember, you know, in the Philippines, having breakfast right before going into one of the centers and um, wearing the C3 logo shirt and someone said, oh, you work for the company that people love to work for. Uh, because that was the sign that we had and they recognized your brand to that. And so, um, even even putting that culture, you know, outside of, of your organization, I think is very, very important. 
I remember that vividly because they said that to my boss who called me from the Philippines, if you remember, and was like, Alicia, guess what? And I've never felt so relieved in my life. Talk to me really quick about remote culture, culture, culture building. What do you think about that now that life is kind of on Zoom the way we are now? Yeah, so very interesting. Um, so Miguel and I were lucky enough to have uh, been able to work with um, at P3, you know, in our current uh like careers of our lives um, with a government entity um, who at the very beginning of the COVID pandemic had to, you know, send everybody remote. And uh, they, they were new to this. And so the entire um, engagement, the, there were just so many different things that people were learning or had to learn as a result of having been in the brick and mortar environment all their lives. Um, and so um, one of the things that immediately came to light was the disengagement between team members and their team leads. We, you know, as you know, we do a lot of these uh, assessments and we interview, uh, gosh, anywhere between, you know, 20 to 50 different cases uh, through an organization. and everything that we consistently heard is, well, I haven't even met my supervisor. I don't even know who my supervisor is. I don't, you know, any of this. And so it became evident very quickly that that engagement in that piece um, was, was missing. And so if I go back to my, my, one of my previous statements on technology, technology in this case uh, can really, really help because, and I'm not promoting any <laughs> Microsoft products here, but Microsoft Teams is such an amazing collaborative tool that um, a lot of companies immediately realize it's great for, you know, that engagement piece, having virtual happy hours, having, um, it allows you to create these virtual teams where you can then have rooms for coaching. And so a lot of the stuff that you typically would, would have that you would do in your brick and mortar, you can do in a remote setting. It's, it's amazing um, with this tool. And so I think we've come a long way in the last two years very quickly because we were forced to do so. Um, and so we've seen an improvement in, in that aspect of the culture, the employee engagement, the employee satisfaction uh, level uh, because companies have quickly adapted and have moved into doing all of these things um, that promote promotes that remote culture and, and employee engagement that was clearly not there when the pandemic and the transition started, you know, back in, in early 2020. Yeah. Oh, great. And, you know, it's just, I mean, I think that's, you know, as you know, I'm very big. Um, I'm not calling you out, but I'm very big on camera on, on Zoom calls with my clients because I want, you know, most of my clients I've never met in person, you know, because mm -hmm. it's just the, my company is kind of built and built during the pandemic. And, you know, I just, I want them to see my expressions, to see what makes me happy when they're happy. I'm happy. Like, you know, when, when, you know, when, I don't know, I just feel like it gives that connection um, you know, and sometimes we're the only ones on the camera, if you've noticed, like sometimes it's just me and my team on camera and I'm like, look, you don't need to go on camera, but I just need you to know, like, I'm all in, I'm not 
multitasking. I'm not, you know, whatever. I'm right there with you. Um, I find that on our internal calls that that builds culture. Um, and I find that that also, you know, because we're, we're a remote team as well. And that just, you know, opening the call, you know, how was your weekend or just that stuff. Um, and we just talked about it on my podcast, the water cooler. And so I have a couple of, of uh, my social media team, you know, they all are a couple years out of college and they're like, so what's the water cooler? <laughs> yeah, this is the water cooler now. A, a you know video conference and just chit chatting right mm -hmm. um, and and setting up those those virtual happy hours or or those one on one sessions with your team members um, that can all happen through you know thank God through the through the use of technology nowadays um, and but you're not alone in that because we see a lot of our clients um, they have they have the same, it, it almost has become like part of the policy. You have to be on video so that we can see you. And um, somebody said the same exact thing you just said the other day on a call I was on is, you know, um, we can see your expression. And so we know you're, you're reacting as if we were in a, in a room. And so we can see if we're doing the right thing or if we're saying the right thing. Um, and, and it helped a lot um in in this remote setting yeah well and I just I think it humanizes I, you know I think that they're at this point they're really and again culture is more than obviously being on camera and but it helps you live those values a little bit more and I believe you know a good culture and and empathy skills that leaders hold kind of go hand in hand Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, I do notice like if a team member feels a little down or, um, you know, is maybe they're feeling a little isolated. Um, and so, you know, if they, they just, you can kind of cue on that a little bit, um, and, and then, you know, lift them up appropriately to keep productivity, you know, where it needs to be. Ultimately culture is important. Everybody's running a business or a contact center or the contact center is part of a business, you know, obviously choose your, choose the right word here. That has to be paramount, but it's going to run better with a big culture is kind of what I hear you saying, right? I, I, I actually think it's, you know, I think this is the third time I've said it on this call. It's very easy to forget and put it on the back burner, but it's one of the most important things that a company needs to, needs to concentrate on. And I've also said this a number of times, it doesn't take a lot. Sometimes the simplest things um, really go, you know, a, a long way. Um, I'll, I'll give you just a little bit of, of you know, how, of Geo's concept right? uh, of, of what, uh, of how you infuse culture into an organization um, should be. I'll, taking it back to, you know, it starts with, with the leadership within the organization. Um, but it must start with me as well. Um, I don't like to toot my own horn, but I, I, throughout my career in, when I was responsible for operation op, you know, direct operations leadership, um, which was about a total of 18 years of, of my entire call center BPO, uh, career. I was, I always had amazing retention. I had very low attrition uh, and my team's performance was always like in the top three uh, teams 
of, of the entire site. And it's not because I'm smarter. It's not because I am liked more. It was because I, I kept a very honest, genuine, and engaged operation. Um, I, 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 you know, I really believed that. I made them part of the company. If there was a mandate to do X, Y, Z, I just didn't tell people to do X, Y, Z. I explained why X, Y, Z was critical. So you, you are really, you know, involving them in, in everything. And that created, Alicia, a level of loyalty from my staff that, um, I honestly, I've not seen, and I've seen very few uh, operations. And so again, they were simple, basic values, which by the way, values are, are one of the critical parts of establishing a company culture. Um, yet they were extremely uh, impactful. Uh, you'll infuse, you know, a healthy culture, which it'll, it'll result in that loyalty to you as a brand, but to the company as well. So um, yeah, I, I just wanted to share that because I, I, I think it's not a complicated formula. Um, I think sometimes we do tend to overcomplicate matters when people are really looking for is to be treated fairly, compensated fairly, and the simple powerful statements, you know, treat others as you would like to be treated. It actually goes a long way. It's not just a cliche. It, it's true. Well, and communicate. I mean, I think that it, all those things happen when you have healthy communication, when you have um, disciplined, you know, rewards, recognitions, and coaching, right? I mean, it can't all be, you're doing great, you're doing great. Like, they're, they're obviously, we're all humans, we're going to need a little bit of a, of, a, of a nudge every so often, but it's how you do it that goes back to and why you just made such a great point. Like, if there's a mandate it can come across as, you know, get it done or look, we're going to get this done and this is why we're going to do it. And man, how cool exactly. is this? Like, we are so empowered to do this. And, you know, exactly. it's the same thing with youth sports and, and my kids coaches. Like it is, I, sometimes I want to sit them down and say, it is not rocket science on it's how not. to coach my child. Okay. Like you just don't even know, just, you can get more out of them. If you speak to people with respect, um, you were fantastic. I remember my first day at PRC or my first week, um, I was told that, and I had never worked in contact centers. As you know, I had come from hotels and I'd come from television and I had to go and tour your operation that you ran because that was the gold standard. Do you remember that? I remember. And I remember like, you're going to spend the day were, with you them. You were one of the first few, uh, one of the first people that you met. Um, I, I, I'm getting a mental picture, and I even remember sitting in your office. I think it was like to your exact point, like your first week, talking about that before we headed down to the, to the, to the British Airways operation. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I remember. I'm, yeah. So you, I mean. Obviously, you're, you know, whoever's listening, like you, the, everything that you've said, like you do get it, Gio. And I think that's why part of the work that you guys are doing at P3, you know, which I find very interesting, you know, it's the, it's the, 
you know, I call the engineering of the processes and the technology and all the things that just make the, the operation run, right, and make the experience for the customers and the patients and the members so amazing. Um, but then you also, the added value piece is, is really this that gets infused into all of those areas that I think some people might take for granted. Um, it looks easy. It's like, you know, sometimes marketing, you know, oh, you know, they're just art projects, but really they're not. I mean, they're art projects that move needles is the goal. And I think what mm -hmm. you're doing with culture on top of all the really smart things that you and Miguel and all the other consultants are doing, um, you know, just with this culture piece wrapped around it all is, is impactful. And I think your clients are, are saying it and we're seeing it. I, I think, and I've also been lucky, you know, um, throughout these years, you tend to associate yourself with people who, who, kind of follow the same thought process around company culture, people like yourself, people like Rick, Miguel, um, you know, a number of our, of our consultants um, are people who we've worked with in the past who have also followed us because they have that same mindset of doing great things and, and empowering people and making sure that, you know, that culture is so important. So I, I think that's also uh, been a, a good thing. And we've, I've been very lucky to to have been able to associate myself with with folks who think that way as well. So important, you know, because you can't do not one person can't create culture. Um, and I think that's that's probably a a great place to to kind of leave it. You know, it's just something that has to be nurtured. And I think, you know, that was a focus that wasn't just a a campaign or, or a marketing speak. It was something that was nurtured across the, the, the organization at the companies that we work for. And I'm sure that's part of what you tell your clients that they have to do. It can't just be you dropping this in and wishing them luck. They've got to carry that ball forward, right? Yeah, no, it's it's what we said, right? It's got to start at the top. It's got to, it's got to be believed um, and to use your word, nurtured. Um, and it's also interesting, not everybody reacts to those things um the the same way so you have to be very careful that you're not you you know putting the the one the mold that you know it, it fits all right it doesn't um obviously there are the cultural barriers right when you're when you're running companies offshore um i remember <laughs> i remember you know back in the days when we when we transitioned uh, one of our clients' operations from Glasgow, Scotland, to our own facilities in Eastern Europe. And we show up to Glasgow and we start doing the C3 cheer. And these people were looking at us like we were four-headed monsters um, because that's not the... And, and we're talking about two different types of culture. Now we're talking about, right, culture culture, not company culture. That was our company culture that we were very proud of. But these people were looking at us like, what are you guys doing? And so very quickly, we have to adapt, right, to, to, and, and rethink our strategy. Um, company culture has to fit into local culture because it's you know not not what's the thing the the one size fits all it doesn't work that way so um that's a great yeah. point global culture you know and and even brandethos i mean the way we 
you know, kind of talk to the the team in the Philippines, which I think we have like six or seven, like, you know, folks over there, like, it's just different, you know what I mean? Sometimes if I'm, you know, as the CEO, like, if I'm too loose, they're like, <laughs> so it's like, it's hard, it's like, it's scary. Um, so you can't, I mean, it can't scare people off, right? Mm -hmm. uh, familiar culture can also be too familiar. So you're right, you have to find a balance. Um, that's a, that's a, a great, that's a great point. So I think I would love to, to do this conversation again um, and have, you know, I'd love to bring on a P3 client and maybe talk about, um, you know, ways that, that culture infusion, I know who I'm thinking of, and you're probably thinking of the same one. And, and I'm probably so, thinking the same person. Yep. So yep. Let's, uh, I'm probably thinking the same person because he's a great culture uh, champion. champion. Yes. Yep. So let's, uh, we're going to keep that a secret. You're going to have to keep listening in to the P3 podcast uh, for that. And, um, but this is, this is exciting and um, I've had a ton of fun. I always have fun chatting with you, Gio. So um, hopefully I'll get to see you in person. You need to come over to this side of Florida very soon. Yeah. So, yeah, um, no, it was great. Miguel's going to ask the question of what's your favorite restaurant because that's part of uh the p3 podcast so what mm -hmm. would you say to that question so if you guys remember during our last podcast i i said to you guys it was gerard's corner in london um i've been going there since 1993 but in a recent trip i discovered um well, first of all, a magical city, Cartagena, Colombia, had never been and absolutely fell in love with the place because it's it's it is really magical. And there was a restaurant that we went to called Doña Lola. It is an infusion of Colombian Caribbean with Spaniard. The owner is actually from Cata the province of Catalonia, uh, Barcelona, in Spain, and. It was, the, first of all, the place is absolutely beautiful. It is like this uh, colonial home that has been transformed into a restaurant. It was just absolutely gorgeous. And the food was unbelievable. They actually import the Iberico ham from Spain to Cartagena. They serve it. Um, but everything, the, the everything was just amazing about the place. So that now has become uh, like a favorite of mine. My cousin is getting married in January. She uh, loved, she fell in love with Cartagena and decided to have a destination wedding um, in Cartagena. And so definitely when I go back in January, I am going to go back to Doña Lola's. Ooh, all right. I'm going to write that down because my nephew is actually, I think, I think it's in Cartagena. I think he's looking to get married there. His uh, fiance, Luisa, is Colombian. So I may be there. And it's a very popular place for weddings. It's unbelievable. And this place, I mean, I could just see you there. It, it, this has you all over it. Um, it is such a spectacular place. You would love it. So um, awesome. Doña Lola is for sure. You know, I love my tortilla española and all of my, my <laughs> yeah. uh, heritage. Um, so, yeah, that's that's my thing. So awesome. Well, thank you guys for listening um, to this awesome episode of C3 on Point. And we will uh, see you next time with Miguel. Have a great day.